0: Hello, my name is Rick Pearson and this is Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. You know, many believers know that America was birthed by a covenant with God. But if that is true, would it not mean that God knew in advance what the pilgrims and founding fathers would say even before they declared and decreed it? Stay tuned as we unveil the mystery that modern day scholars steeped in traditional theology refuse to accept. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. We're discussing a very critical issue today that prophecy teachers has questioned for years. Is America in the Bible? You know, the word providential means a nation or person that's raised up by divine utterance or mandate. In other words, it's an event that is initiated by divine inter- intervention. Simply put, it's a God idea. In 550 BC, the prophet Daniel said this, that God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. In 750 BC, Isaiah testified that he was called by an angel who touched him with coals from off the altar. He prophesied, I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. For I've spoken it, I will bring it to pass. I've purposed it and I will also do it. During that same time period, the Lord promised us through Amos, surely the Lord will do nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. 200 years after these two prophetic ministries were enacted, Daniel, like Jeremiah, was touched by an angel and commissioned to go forth and tell whatever the Lord spoke to them. In other words, these men were foretellers of things to come. Any nation that is spoken of before it appears is a providential nation raised up by divine utterance or divine intervention. In the next three minutes, we'll take you on a journey through several generations detailing the incredible accuracy of this book and how through divine utterance God has brought it to pass. Listen to this.
1: In 600 B.C., God gave the prophet Daniel the interpretation of a dream had by the world's most powerful ruler at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar. The dream was initiated by God and consisted of the image of a man whose body parts were differentiated by specific types of metal. Each body part represented five major providential nations that would reign upon the earth over the next 600 years. A golden head, which represented Babylon in 600 B.C., a silver chest which was Persia in 530 BC, bronze thighs which would be Greece around 334 BC and iron legs representing the Roman Empire in 44 AD. In addition, the ten toes represented ten kings or nations that would rise up from a revised Roman Empire in the last days. They would form a new world order and rule for seven years. At the end of those seven years, Christ would return and rule the world as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Close to 40 years after Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel received another dream vision. This time, however, those providential nations were represented by four distinct animals. And with the help of an angel's explanation, Daniel soon understood that a lion with wings was Babylon, which used a winged lion for its national symbol, a bear with three ribs, which was Persia would conquer the nations of Libya, Babylon, and Ethiopia, a leopard with four heads that represented Greece, and after the death of Alexander the Great, the four generals that succeeded him. The beast with ten horns rising from the Sea of Humanity represented the Roman Empire, who would be revised by ten nations. It would take 600 years for these nations to rise up and fall as spoken by the Lord. In Revelation 13, John is given a vision of a beast who is made up of the same animals as described in Daniel chapter seven. And I, John, saw a beast rising from the sea with 10 horns and seven heads. But now we see them intermingled into the last 10 horned empire that will someday rise.
0: Welcome back folks. You know, I find it absolutely amazing to look back in history knowing that prophecy predicted these providential nations that rose and fell within their appointed time but what do i mean by appointed time habakkuk said to write down the vision make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it still the vision awaits for its appointed time it hastens to the end and it will not lie we presently are waiting to see the ten-horn new world order beast system that someday will appear at its appointed time. As foretold in our book, The Hour That Changes Everything, we warned you over three to four years ago that the United Nations globalists have declared that they plan a new world order agenda in their 2030 agenda. Klaus Schwab, the leader of the WEF, has recently announced that through his efforts, they've infiltrated over half of the Canadian cabinet with young WEF leaders led by Schwab's most endearing leader, Justin Trudeau. Now, our documentary just unveiled Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel's vision, and John's vision, which has already been partially fulfilled by the nations that have risen and fallen at their appointed time. However, in addition to Revelation 13, John had a second vision of the ten-horned beast in Revelation 17. And this vision gives us f- further clarification in scripture as to how the new world order will come to power in the last days. And according to Jeremiah, God is watching over his word to perform it. Now John's fourth and final vision of the new world order reveals a mystery nation that none of the other visions or dreams mention. Revelation 17, 3 says, And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great. We're now introduced to another providential nation in this verse. And this nation is described as a woman, that is a mystery. Now the Bible lexicon defines the word mystery as a hidden secret that is revealed only to a select group of people or a chosen generation. Moses penned that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things he reveals unto us belong to us and to our children. So when looking closely into Revelation 17, a major time sequence gives the book of Revelation a whole new interpretation from what traditional speculation has taught and many modern Bible teachers still regurgitate today. According to Revelation 17, 12, it says, And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received power as kings to rule the earth. In other words, this verse gives us a snapshot of what will be happening before the beast or the new world order comes into power. There will be a providential nation that God has raised up immediately before the beast arrives. And unlike the other providential nations whose symbols were animals, this providential nation would have an iconic symbol of a woman, in other words, this nation would be different from all the other providential nations in history. This woman sits upon the waters and upon the beast, and the Greek word to sit in this verse is the word kathamia. It means rules or polices over. This is the same word used when Jesus sits upon the throne as king of kings and lord of lords. Now, this great providential woman aptly named Mystery Babylon the Great, sits upon or rules or polices over the beast system before he was released upon the world. And according to scripture, this demonic spirit, known as the beast, will hate her. To further explain the mystery of the vision, the angel tells us that the seven heads of the beast represent seven land masses, or oros in Greek, translating mountains and those mountains rise out of the waters. Revelation 17:15 says the waters represent peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. So this is a global description of the woman that God has empowered to literally police the world. However, the seven mountains contain a second mystery. Revelation 17:9 says This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated, but they are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is, and one is yet to come, which will remain for a little while. As for the beast, he is the eighth, but is of the seven. Now note the beast who is the eighth and final providential nation to be raised up, will come out of the seven. In other words, the beast is made up of all the people groups that the seven providential nations have represented throughout history. He does not come from one region of the earth. He comes from every providential nation that has come and gone within their appointed time. And this new world order is multinational multilingual, and embraces the whole human race. In other words, it is a uniting of all nations. Now, when looking at providential nations in scripture, we can easily see six of the eight kings or empires that this verse is talking about. Every nation he refers to throughout history has direct correlation with Israel. Now, why is that? Because in God's eyes, Israel's the geographical center of the earth when it comes to Bible prophecy. Israel was the first covenant nation providentially promised to Abraham. God initiated that covenant with Israel. However, on November 8, 1620, the Mayflower Compact recorded that the pilgrims and later the founding fathers initiated America's providential covenant with God. Now, to study prophecy without including the covenant nation of the United States is like trying to understand math without using numbers. Nothing adds up without accepting the fact that America plays a pivotal role in Bible prophecy. Now, it should also be noted that since man's mouth cut a covenant with God invoking his blessings, that same mouth can cut us out of that covenant with God provoking his curses. Now let's look at seven providential kingdoms that will precede the new world order. In this diagram, we can see that five kings have fallen. In approximately 2000 BC, Abraham was told that his descendants would be held in slavery for 400 years. Egypt fulfilled that prophecy in approximately 1450 BC. Approximately 600 years later, a pagan nation called Assyria rose to global domination. Jonah, a Jewish prophet, warned Nineveh of God's judgment, and Assyria repented of her pagan idolatry, voiding that judgment. However, due to Israel entering into Baal worship, God used Assyria to judge Israel by dethroning her in 721 BC and making her a vassal state. Isaiah's warnings of coming judgment in Isaiah 9:11 are the same verses read in Congress after America's 9-11 warning shot. The pagan nation of Assyria who repented was the very same nation God used to judge His covenant nation Israel, who would not repent. So when a nation is in covenant with God, it does not void judgment. It guarantees judgment if that nation refuses to stay in that covenant and obey God's laws. Now, by 630 B.C., Babylon destroyed Assyria, capturing uh, both Israel, the northern kingdom, and eventually Judah, the southern kingdom. This began the time clock from Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the golden image, giving us three more nations that would fall, rise and fall, by the time of John's writing. Babylon 630, Medo-Persia 550, Greece 334. Now, during the time of John's revelation, the appointed time of these five providential nations had definitely come and gone. John received his revelation during the time of the Roman Empire in approximately 70 AD. Both East and West Rome represented the legs of Nebuchadnezzar's image, therefore it was obvious that Rome was the sixth nation. And that is why the angel described the sixth nation as one is. Now, in other words, John was literally in the sixth kingdom as he wrote the Revelation, leaving the seventh and eight kingdoms yet to come. Multitudes of Bible scholars throughout the centuries have speculated who the seventh and eight kingdoms could be. Of course, according to Daniel, That secret is only assigned to the latter-day generation who would see them rise and fall at their appointed times. Now, one of the greatest deceptions of Scripture throughout history, taught even today by traditional theology, is that the seventh and eight kingdoms are one and the same. The seventh being a global religion and the eighth being a physical kingdom. But nowhere in Scripture Can this premise be found except for outrageous hypotheses that the purple robes the woman wears equates to priestly robes? The eighth kingdom is symbolized by a beast, but the seventh kingdom is symbolized by an iconic mystery woman called Babylon the Great. Now the multiple descriptions of Babylon shows her as a rich, wealthy nation inundated by multiple ports that she trades with the world. Nowhere does it say that she is a religion, but she does practice ancient Babylonian demonic rituals within her culture, which eventually provokes her judgment. However, if we're getting close to the fulfillment of these prophecies and they begin to be fulfilled, we at the very least should be able to identify both the seventh and the eight kingdoms who coincide at the same time in scripture. And that revelation can only come directly to you from God despite what many academically approved prophecy teachers think. You don't need an academic certificate from man in order to understand what the Bible is saying. John 16, 13 says, "'When the Holy Spirit has come, "'he will guide you into all truth, "'for he shall not speak of himself, "'but whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak, And he will show you things to come. Remember, Jesus promised that my sheep hear my voice. However, there are many times in history when people speculated and outright guessed who these nations could be. And the most common teaching of traditional speculation began at the beginning of the Reformation. In 1550 AD, the Protestant movement experienced tremendous persecution from the Catholic Church whose papal seat was in Rome. The protesters, or Protestants, were in the midst of breaking away from Catholic tradition. Indulgences were being sold by the church, and depending on what kind of sin you committed, you could literally pay the Catholic church to have them removed. Now, the Bible at the time was written in Latin, and most people could not even read. Martin Luther, being troubled by these indulgences, searched scriptures and was given revelation knowledge in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of your own doing, but salvation is a gift from God. It was not until Luther's discovery that this doctrinal truth in Scripture was emphasized to the believers of Christ. Luther protested against the Catholic Church by nailing a 95-thesis script to his parish door. And unbeknownst to him, that thesis was taken and multiple copies were handed out among the laity. Literally overnight, the Protestant movement was birthed. The protest caused great persecution for the Reformers and many were hanged and literally burned at the stake for heresy. Now, the city of Rome which was the center of the church government, is a city built on seven hills. During its day, it had a military, a major place of commerce, and to an extent, it did police a very small world as we know it. But in Revelation 17:12, it says that the woman, Mystery Babylon, sits on seven heads, which are seven mountains. The Greek word here used for mountains is the word oros. In order to justify their speculation and their interpretation of scripture, the early reformers interpreted this word oros to be hill, not mountains, thereby justifying the concept that the city of Rome was the mystery city of Babylon the Great. Now this senior academic tradition is carried on even to the present day prophecy teachers approved by man but is it approved by God? At that time in history, these were very sincere theologians, but they had no concept of the world as we know it today. Now remember, Daniel was told, shut up the book and seal it until the time of the end. Daniel 12 states that during the time of the end, the wise will understand, but the wicked will not. What we know today is far beyond what these traditional scholars could understand. They had no idea of digital currency, the formation of Russia, Iran, Turkey, nor the covenant beginnings of America, nor the World Economic Forum or the 2030 United Nations agenda. These progressive revelations were not even in their textbooks. Now, even when Jesus debated the scribes and the Pharisees who were the most studied theologians of their day, he said, you nullify or make the word of God void by your traditions. The scribes and Pharisees could not understand what was happening right underneath their noses. They diligently studied the word of God, but totally rejected the author. And today, 2,000 years after the book of Revelation was written, and nearly 500 years after the Reformation, a new population center has risen from the Sea of Humanity which which matches not just one or two descriptions of Babylon the great, but literally over 50. So have we reached the appointed time of Babylon's providential rise? Remember Habakkuk said, write down the vision, make it plain, for it waits for its appointed time. The mystery of Babylon is no longer a mystery to those who have ears to hear. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things he reveals unto us belong to us and to our children. And remember, the promise to every generation is this. Surely the Lord will do nothing except he reveal it unto his servants, the prophets. It makes perfect theological sense that God wants his people to know who Mystery Babylon the Great is within our generation. And as usual... The scribes, Pharisees, and religious elite steeped in traditional strongholds will deny the facts, but Jesus' promise to us still remains. Let him who has ears hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Now, in previous programs, I shared that while walking on a beach in Florida, a Canadian friend of mine commented, who do these Americans think that they are that they can police the world? And I responded with the question, who do you want to please the world, Iran, Russia, China? No generation, except ours, has seen such a nation rise to power. And yet, in the last 10 years, not one Bible teacher, prophet, or prophecy expert has anticipated the amazing fall that America has taken in her morals, in her justice system, and in her culture. Even as seven million people invade her southern coastline, we at Prophecy USA do not celebrate what we are seeing, but we are mandated by the Holy Spirit and by this book to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. Traditional dogma, academic institutions, and a host of Christian TV ministries have failed miserably to identify who Mystery Babylon the Great is. They've refused to just dialogue our research with us on their talk shows. Some have refused to come onto our program. Our only goal at Prophecy USA is firmly etched by the word of God given to Ezekiel to a backslidden nation of Israel before God judged her. The Bible says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search it out. In the weeks ahead, if you will take the time to join us, we will show you in Scripture, line upon line and precept upon precept, the pinpoint accuracy of God's prophetic time clock concerning America. We will discuss her 53 descriptions with recent evidence that demands a verdict. Our desire is that you test our spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you through this book so you can draw your own conclusions. Remember, every generation has echoed various voices, opposing opinions, a multitude of interpretations. But there is only one interpretation that matters when it comes to discerning the signs of the times. And that is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says that God sends us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints. History and time has proven that some are sent and some just went. Some were approved by man and others were approved by God. The determination of America's future is reaching critical mass, but God has always had a plan for those who love him. Jesus Christ is your personal high priest and prophet. His sheep hear his voice and his Holy Spirit has promised to show you things to come. Some of those things are woven deep into the prophetic scripture, waiting for their appointed time to be fulfilled. And if you've not searched those things in your personal studies, we at Prophecy USA intend to help you do that. As we draw closer to the dramatic climax of Bible prophecy, Jesus promised us that those who have ears to hear would hear his voice. And Daniel said, The wise will understand, the wicked will not. In the weeks to come, we will give you fresh information, global confirmation, and fresh biblical insights concerning the 53 prophetic descriptions showing you where America has been, where we are now, and where we are heading according to this amazing book, the Holy Bible. For there is no God like unto me, says the Lord, from the ancient of days calling out things that have not yet come. For he has spoken it, he will also do it, he has purposed it, and he will bring it to pass. And he has a plan for you, plans that you might prosper and not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. He's a very, very good God, folks. And you do not want to miss the coming weeks of Prophecy USA. It will simply amaze you what God has in store for those who trust in his word. My name is Rick Pearson. This is Prophecy USA, and I'm reminding you God's in control. Jesus is alive, and he's coming back much sooner than many people think. See you next week. Shalom. We'll be right back. back.